listening to Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships right now. And right now, I got to tell you, since our last program where we were talking about men being sound in love, right, as the different things that you've given us in First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, we've gotten a lot of feedback. And some of it has been from women saying, you know what? My fear is keeping me from accepting any of this. And I want to define fear as false expectations appearing real. Mm-hmm. That's how they will be showing up. That's right. We have a mindset that looks at them, looks at our situations and ends up driving us into a lack of reality. But I also want to say, well, let me pray for us before we get there. Lord, we do thank you so much. Again, I look at your word and know that there is so much to understand there. And you, in your wonderful, wonderful graciousness, have told me that you're going to live your life through me. And I don't need to spend all the time trying to figure all this out. I simply need to abandon myself to you and you're going to give me the insight. I pray that it, that is true of each and every person that's listening, that they can look at your word let you live through them to be able to understand what you're asking us to do in your precious name. Amen. And hallelujah. Herman, last program, we were talking about real men are sound in love. Some of the responses we've got back is women can't deal with that out of fear. And this whole issue of fear is very, very important, fitting right into the chapter and verse that we were talking about last time. The first Peter chapter three, verse seven. Yes, sir. When you go to the first six verses of first Peter chapter three and you see the way that it talks to women is specifically saying that if a woman does her life this way, one clear thing is going to be very true about their life. God's going to remove fear. And let me just throw this out. What is what? What, what is because the... an unintended consequence was this? Primarily, last program we were talking to men mm-hmm. about what real men are, and the response we got back, and I'm paraphrasing, is, "I don't want to accept it because I'm afraid of what it then entails." Well, there is no doubt that this is this is going to lead into the judgments. But let me uh, let me skirt the judgments this way: that the Lord has designed a woman to be relational, right? Yes, sir. Part of the judgment on women is that women will be taken advantage of. Uh, Verse 16 of chapter 3 in Genesis, that a woman is going to have difficulty in raising her children. She's going to have a control for her husband, and he is going to rule over her. That rule over her is is something that is a use and abuse. Now, why are women afraid? Because men aren't treating them well. Therefore, they aren't going to end up having a mindset toward a, toward a man that is going to have him be put in any place that she's going to go, oh, I can trust him. Men are, are irresponsible, not all men, and, and, and women are irresponsible also. But the, fe- but the fear that's going on with a woman is because she has been taken advantage of, and therefore she is not going to be as ready to step out and let a man take care of her. But doesn't this 1 Peter 3, verse 6 take the fear out? If she does what God asks of her. What is it that he's asking of her to have a no word strategy with her husband 
to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And what we've talked about, you can have and know that you have incorruptible beauty if you have a gentle and quiet spirit. And an incorruptible beauty is shown through a gentle and quiet spirit. And notice what we don't want to tie together here. It said very clearly there in verse 5 that you can know that you have a gentle and quiet spirit if you're submitting to your husband. Wow. That's how you remove fear, is putting yourself back into the design mode of how God has wired you. But it's very, very understandable that women are going to be fearful of men. It's very understandable to me for a woman to argue about the weaker vessel. It's very understandable for me to understand that a woman is not going to want to see her name as a woman underneath a man in 1 Corinthians 11.3. I don't want that because that puts them at risk. And they feel a lot more at risk because of their relational design. They don't have testosterone to be powerful, to take care of themselves. And guess what? They are driven, therefore, to try to take care of themselves. And that's the emphasis of the feminist movement. Go out there and be independent. Go take care of yourself. But that's because we're abdicating the authority that God has. We play into that in a huge, huge way as men. And unfortunately, the feminists are just making life worse on themselves. Because what they're saying is, well, you know what? If you can be independent and you can be mean and you can use your testosterone however you want to do, we can do the same thing. You know, if you, if you think you can cat around and be, be a, a guy that goes to bed with all sorts of women, you know, we'll just do the same thing. We're going to be women to do the same thing. And guess what that does? That just plays into man's irresponsibility. I mean, just imagine the conversation kind of going like this. A man is talking to a feminist and she goes, you know what? I can be just like you. I can go sleep around with any guy that I want to sleep with. And he goes, uh, okay, uh, don't throw me into that briar patch. Yeah, no one wins now. <laughs> when, when can we start this relationship? It's almost like a, a man saying, <laughs> you know, because I, I don't want to be responsible either. You know? you know, last time we said we're responsible for what we say. We can control that, but we can't control what another person hears. So I thank you for your response. I really do. But help me with this being sound in love. Sound in love goes back to those three elements that we were talking about, to dwell with them, with understanding, giving honor to her as a weaker vessel, that you as a man in your testosterone are to be doing those things. Now, if you want to throw two more things in there that are extremely important for men to pay attention to, these are bonus items, if you want to think of it that way. But it's extremely important for a man, two additional things, to be sexually exhilarated only with your wife. What? Yeah, Proverbs chapter chapter 5, verse 19 uh, I'm not going to read it on the air, but uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 19 is talking specifically about that, that a man is to be exhilarated only with his wife. And that means that too often we men who are very pictorial in our minds have a tendency to being picturing how his wife could look if she were more like this woman. Uh, that's out of bounds. I don't want myself and I don't want other men to violate what God's word is saying here to be sexually excited only with your wife. That's the reason why pornography is so big. Okay, I'm going to put pornography on hold for a second. I want to go back to this. Why do we do that? Why do we keep trying to add something to our wife that actually demeans what's already there? 
I, I can't tell you other than the sin nature. You know, we're just wired to make life all about ourselves and think that there's something wrong with somebody else. And obviously, we're going to take those type of things uh, against the people that are closest to us. But not true to God's design. No, not true to God's design at all. Uh, if you want to take that, that passage even further, uh, it not only talks about sexually excited only with your wife, but enraptured means intoxicated with her. So go read the passage. I don't want to read it on the air because it's a little bit explicit. Uh, it sounds it, like a conversation all on its own. Absolutely. It's okay. It's but there. that is that is a second thing. If you're going to practice sound love, that is a critical aspect because we are so visual. And then a very, very practical thing that I don't do enough of. Louie and I had a very strong conversation with each other here last week about this, that I don't observe her enough and praise her enough. I don't recognize the beauty and the opportunities that she does for service for other people. I don't recognize. So be observant and praise her. That's Proverbs 31, 28 and 29. Talking about the, uh, the uh, Proverbs 31 woman. Here it says, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. So the context of this passage is about an excellent wife, and an excellent husband is recognizing and praising her for all the things that she's doing. Again, the website, greatrelationships.com, grnumeral8relationships.com. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Great quotes for great relationships. If you use your past for illumination, your future is bright. If you use your past for contamination, your future is bleak. Virginia Satir. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You know how you're always praying for a sign from God? That you're meant to go to seminary? This is your sign. Seriously, I'm here to tell you about Grace. Grace School of Theology. It's free grace based. The professors are world class. It's accredited, accessible, attainable, and oh yes, it's affordable. You can even complete your entire degree online, which means you don't have to move. Wouldn't it be great to have a deeper knowledge of the Word of God? Write this down, www.gsot.edu, gsot.edu, or call 877 877- 476-8674. Now get going. Now. Welcome back to Great Relationships, GR numeral 8 relationships.com, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love, or so we think, because at the moment we're talking about 1 Peter 3, verse 7, Mm -hmm. and we're talking about caring for women unconditionally. I'm not sure I'm getting this, especially when you say sound in love and you're giving me three points. Well, we've talked about three points, and then we've added two bonus points (laughs) onto it. It's what we've done. Now, the last one I think is critical, and I miss on this one too much of the time. I said that we are to be observant of her, to pray 
praise her. What we miss is that doesn't have to be some grandiose, amazing thing. It could be simply, honey, that meal was just great. I really enjoyed that. That was you do such an amazing job with so little things. Uh, that's a simple way to praise her. Now she may not hear that as praise, but it is. It is recognizing her. It well, I can control what I say, not what she hears, but that praise needs to be sincere. It needs to be honest, not inflated. Right? Yeah, it needs to be true, specific, and personal. Those are the three terms we teach in Great Leaders. Be true. It can't be fake. It can't be flattery. What is flattery? Lying. It doesn't need to have any type of association with dishonesty. You're not trying to just say something nice. It's simply being true. This is true of you, and it needs to be specific. It can't be, honey, you know, you're such a good woman. No, it needs to be specific. Honey, you did such a phenomenal job in talking to that person. That was really clear the way that you did that. I really appreciate that. That was really awesome. To be observant of her and to praise her and recognize her can be done in so many different ways. The problem is we men just don't pay attention and look for those times. Throughout the discussion we've been having, both before the break and now, are husband and wife to operate as a unit? Is that where my focus, where my importance is? Because I'll be honest with you, I'm so used to me and then her. Most importantly, we are one. That's what God has stated. But we too often live as individuals. That was, that was the key problem. And unfortunately, it's a problem that every marriage is going to face. Each one of you are going to be going off and doing your own thing. And that's the reason why God is asking a man to do all these things for his wife. It doesn't mean that his wife is going to accept them. It doesn't mean that his wife is going to change. It doesn't mean any of that. This is simply what he is to be doing for his wife. And that is a practice of sound love if he does these five things it's a sound love being unconditional well that's one of the elements that's right but this these five points here are simply ways to practice that whole seven elements if you're going to practice being sound in love these are the five ways that you can do that so we as individuals have an opportunity here to do what God says. And here's the answer to your question even more so. If both parties are doing what God says, guess what? You operate as a team. If only one of you is doing what God says, then you're not going to be operating as a team. I am more interested in me doing what God asked me to do because that's going to benefit my wife. Okay. I'm always looking for ways. Maybe it's my checklist mentality, but I'm trying to understand the principles too often, I'm going to have a mindset that I just want to do my own thing. I know that about me. Because it's easier. I know what I yeah. need to do. I can go do it efficiently right. and to put somebody else. And it's so easy for me to enjoy my type of TV shows. So I'm going to go in my study and watch stuff there instead of going and sitting with Louie and watching the stuff that she wants to watch. See, that's a, that's a sacrificial mentality. Wow, that's love. almost an example of two people living separately under the same yeah, house. You're in your studio easy. watching what you want. She's in the living room watching what she wants. It's exactly right. And that too often is going to happen that way when we don't pay attention that you aren't actually pursuing the best for the other person. So is there that much energy and drama required in serious discussion to fix the problem? Or do I just reach over and turn my TV off and go sit next to her? It's pretty simple to do the latter. Just turn the TV off. If you if you have a mindset that says if you're and this is the part of listening to the still small voice, listening to that inner conviction. Herman, 
is this one of the times that you need to practice what you preach? <laughs> yeah, but I can see me interrupting her program going, see, I'm sitting next to you. And oh, she's yeah. going, shh. Well, of course, that's a silly thing to do. That makes That's all about you when you do that. I mean, it's a matter of just going in there and sitting down. It's a matter of sitting down and start watching the show and then not trying to figure out, Louie hates for me to do that. <laughs> so not got, solve the program yeah, for Yeah, it? that's right. She hates for me to do that. So, so she'd rather me be out of the room if I'm not if I'm doing those type of things but yeah those those are the ways that you can interact with her and you can be sacrificial but not be acting like you're sacrificing that's not going to do any good <laughs> it's not going to do any good <laughs> now at all. I know why it's not working that's right so moving on into not only are we to be sound in love but we're to be sound in patience that's one of the key aspects. If you remember, right, we're in the passage. We've gone through so many different passages here, but we're actually starting in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and verses 6 through 8. And we've talked, therefore, about being sound in love. There's a lot of aspects to the sound in love, but we're also asked to be sound in patience that especially, this is spoken of especially toward older men. It's not spoken of toward younger men, that an older man is to be sound in patience. And unfortunately, there is a stereotype of, of older men. What is that stereotype? The grumpy old man, right? Mm-hmm. That's a, that, unfortunately, it's true. You know, as, as you grow older in life, you don't have a desire to put up with other people. But if we are operating and walking with the Lord, then we have this ripened fruit of experience that's driven from trials that have been overcome, like we see in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We have, we've gone through the trials and we've seen how God has worked through it, we don't have to become grumpy old men. We can be patient. We can be sound in patience. Uh, uh, because of that fundamental question, we've learned to trust God rather right. than something else. And very similar to that, where we see Paul, he's talking about contentment in Philippians chapter four. He says what? He's learned how to be content. He's learned it. It didn't just happen. God taught him how to be content in any situation. And that's another way that patience comes. The tendency for us older men, not you, but me, uh, older men, we have a tendency to be buying the American dream, so to speak, of retiring. Retiring is in my estimation, it's bad for me. I'm not going to say it's bad for everybody, but unfortunately, retiring gives this mindset of I'm going to slide for home, and I'm just going to I'm just not going to be ministering to anybody else. I'm just going to take care of myself. That isn't what God's mindset is on on men as they grow older. They need to be a mentor to the younger men. One word answer, comment if you want. Retirement really isn't a biblical context. I, I, I truly accept what you're saying. I truly accept that. I had two great examples, both in my father-in-law and my own father, that didn't slide for home. They were more interested in being ministers to people for the remainder of their life. Yeah, they may have changed the type of job that they were doing, but they never stopped ministering. They always were in a ministry mode. So that is a critical aspect of being patient. I'm going to put up with the foibles of other people because I've, you know, God has taught me how to do that. It's not about me. It's about me being part of another person's life. That's, that's how it needs to be, more, more importantly. So sound and patience is a critical aspect. And you only learn patience through mm, trials. 
uh, too bad. You know, there's that suffering component again. We're not going to learn patience by having everything go well for us. But this is truly a case of trusting God and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead the difference. Because when you say this, I think about seeing somebody who's white knuckle and secretly hoping that they're going to get some through something, and then someone who's just very relaxed saying, the storm will pass. We'll be okay. Excellent point. Outstanding point. Because when we're patient, it's not a matter of us trying to gut it out. That isn't it at all. It's a matter of saying... Trusting. Yeah. It's a matter of saying, Lord, you've given me your life. You've given me your spirit. Those two things, how could I add to that? I can't. It's a matter of trusting that you are willing to work through me. I don't need to be impatient about this. This is apparently where you want me. I am either going to latch onto that and trust you, or I'm going to be impatient. And I'm impatient to say this. You know, there are many leadership principles that we talk about, and they can be found at your website, greatleaders.com. But as we talk about this and you need to review the material, you can. And it's in volumes on greatrelationships.com. That's GR numeral 8relationships.com. Good Lord willing, we're back right after this. Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. It takes right thinking for right relationships right now. Great quotes from God's Word for great relationships. Be kindly, affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another. Romans 12.10 Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great. And not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R numeral 8 relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. You're listening to Great Relationships. That's GR numeral 8 relationships.com. Can't say it enough because we're waiting for more of you to join us there. Herman, before the break, we were talking about patience, the true nature of patience, and honestly trusting on the Lord. Right. We're, we're there in sound and patience because we've finished talking about being sound and love, but sound and patience, as I said right before the break, 
unfortunately, patience doesn't arrive just because everything's going well for you. Patience is willing to trust that God has you where he wants you, and it may not be all that comfortable for you. And you you said patience is not gutting something out. That's right. It's not a matter of you trying to just grit your teeth and get through it. It's actually a matter of counting it all joy, as we see in James 1. Trusting. Counting it all joy. Lord, you're perfect, and I'm not. And I'm going to trust your perfection. That trusting perfection starts with faith. Hebrews 11:6. you know, without faith, it's impossible to please him. When you start thinking about the trial that you're going through, I love this from Jim Berg. In conformed the, to his image. Conformed to his image. Thanks, Paul. Uh, there's three relationships that he talks about in that book that's critical. Whenever I'm going through a trial, I need to think about three critical relationships. He is the creator, and I'm just the creation. He's the father. I'm just the child. He's the master. I'm just the servant. Those are critical for me to be able to think about patience. The issue for us is we have this opportunity to trust that he is who he says he is. He's perfect. Nothing is happening in our life that can't be used and that will not be used for our benefit. He will use all of it for our benefit. That's what, that's what, he is, what he's saying for us. So then is this an example of why you're saying that great relationships isn't about improving what you've got. It's about making it something you've never had, a new class. Absolutely. It's a totally new class because it's accepting the role that God wants to play in your life which is lived through you. He's not asking for you to become better. He's asking to live through you, abandon yourself to him so he just lives through you. And live this value unconditionally. Absolutely. And he, it, that can only happen if he does it for you. It can only happen. And each situation, I love this little statement that we have often used, is whenever you're in a trial, it's probably best not to pray for it to go away. It's probably better to embrace the pain. Just grab a hold of it and say, Lord, whatever your will is, I'm going to hold on to this until you want it to go away. Because if you're praying for it to go away, God is so dedicated to you becoming more like him, he's going to bring something else back that will help you go through that type of thing so that you can become more like him. Okay, let me be sure I heard you correctly. Embracing the pain is not gutting it through. It's not white knuckling it. It's starting with the attitude of, he's a perfect God. He's not taking me through this just because he's wanting to be mean or anything. He's wanting what's best for me. I can embrace that, therefore. So you're telling me a God who can raise people from the dead, heal the sick, create the universe and the word, all these other things, if he wanted it to be different, he could make it different. (laughs) Wow. So there's a reason. Yeah, that brings up that logical contradiction, you know, that, that we've talked about in the past. You know, God never makes a mistake. He's totally perfect. I make mistakes all the time. I'm not perfect. And therefore, I've got a decision to make. I think I'll trust myself. (laughs) (laughs) In the words of Dr. Phil, how'd that work for you? That's exactly right. So finally, not only sound in love, sound in patience, but also easy to respect. We talked about this briefly. uh, Why all of these traits, this is all, by the way, just to remind everybody, all of these behaviors are sound doctrine. That, that's what we see in Titus chapter 2, verse 1. This is sound doctrine. And what a man is to be doing, he's to be reverent. He's to be easy to respect. Now, why is that so important? Because my wife is asked to respect me unconditionally. And if I'm easy to respect, I make it easier on her, right? That's, it doesn't mean that she will, 
but it does make it easier for her to respect me. That's really important. It's a character trait that God expects of deacons. He expects it of elders. These are the things that God is expecting, especially of older men. That means that it's time for us to really watch our off-colored humor. It's time to watch our, uh, our uh, vulgarity. Anything that's not respectable needs to be out of our life. God's not interested in doing those things through us. Unfortunately, too many older men haven't, haven't gotten to the place where they're easy to respect. And this is particularly an issue that we older men need to be easy to respect and honored by younger men also, that younger men can look at your life and go, ah, that's how God wants me to be eventually. Okay, so the scripture says easy to respect, but I tend to translate it as command respect, which translates immediately to demand it. Yeah, it's, it, you can't demand respect. You can't, uh, can't make people respect you. All you can do is operate as God has asked you to do. Is it earned? Uh, no. It's simply done. For instance, did everybody uh, did everybody respect Jesus? Nope. No. And he was perfect. Uh, so, so by rights, if it was to be earned, he should have had it, and he did. Absolutely. Uh, respect is something that you give to another person by your own choice. I can respect somebody that's awful just as well as I can respect somebody that's great. It's something that you do. And too many people tie it to the tie it to the fact that it has to be earned. It doesn't have to be earned, but you can make it easy on people. Yet again, something else that's a choice. And mm-hmm. in this case, respect is a choice. Absolutely. So that would be the third item. And there's more that we can talk about, but this is all as it relates to being uh, merciful. We could, but the time's gone out. So if I want to learn more until next time, where do you want to have me go? You need to go to the second part of chapter three called Real Men Are Wimps. There you go. And you do that at our website, greatrelationships.com. That's grnumulatrelationships.com. How is your day going, Barbara? I can't even begin to tell you how terrific my life is right now. What a coincidence. My life is just overflowing with blessings, too. Why, just yesterday, I found a $100 bill on the ground. That's great. I saved a cat that was stuck in a tree, and the owner was so thankful that she gave me a gift card to my favorite restaurant, Luigi's. Wow! I was in Luigi's just the other day and saved a man that was choking with the Heimlich Maneuver. He was so overjoyed that he gave me tickets to that new play that's been sold out for weeks. That's amazing! I've been wanting to see that play myself. Really? I asked my husband and he didn't want to go. Will you go with me? That would be great. Days like this are too good to be true, but great relationships are possible. Join Herman as he offers you the opportunity to pursue the best for others, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Right thinking, right relationships, right now.